Yellowfuse podcast. Well, hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's been a couple of days since we talked. I wanted to catch up with you and see how you're doing. And we're getting ready to roll into Run Ranger Run again, believe it or not, for the eighth year. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's it's amazing uh, what's happened over the last ten years. And you know, Gallant View in 2020 hits its ten year anniversary. But kind of want to get an update on where you were and let people know what uh, the latest was that was going on with you. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I apologize first. Um, have a little bit of a cold going on, so hopefully uh, I sound okay. And you, you sound great. I can't too. even tell. Okay. Good deal. Good deal. Uh, so kind of currently right now, kind of been busy. So after, obviously after doing Run Ranger Run and, you know, throughout the years, uh, I guess following all that, um, ended up going to nursing school, became a nurse, been in the emergency room for a little bit over five years now. Um, and probably about three years into nursing school, decided, hey, I'm sorry, three years into nursing, uh, I decided to kind of, I guess, put more on my plate yet again and uh, decided to go to law school. So I am currently a 3L uh, in the uh, part-time program at, with uh, Indiana University uh, at McKinney School of Law. And uh, yeah, just trying to get through that. So uh, working at the ER as well as working another job, uh, my Monday through Friday job uh, at the state government here in Indiana, uh, working in their behavioral health division at the Indiana Criminal Justice Institute. So, uh, yeah, got married, got a house, just just uh, everything that you could uh, imagine to keep a person busy and stressed to the max. That's pretty much what I'm doing. So That's, that's <laughs> absolutely amazing. Um, what made you decide to go to law school? Uh, there's a few different things. I think it was uh, being, uh, I guess, while I was in nursing school, seeing some things that were happening uh, with patient care and how it could be uh, I guess how it could be delivered in a better manner, uh, especially dealing with folks who um, are in, I guess, more have, have more uh, susceptible um, lives as far as uh, living in poverty, as well as those with mental health. Um, I saw a few things that kind of irked me and I wanted to make a difference. I mean, I know, you know there's many ways that you can make a difference, whether it be, you know, um, through a one-to-one -one connection with someone uh, or, you know, getting involved in an organization that reaches out to many people. Uh, I started kind of diving into the idea of getting into some policy development with, within uh, healthcare and actually the delivery of healthcare related, especially whenever I was thinking of those in poverty and those with uh, dealing with mental health issues. What's your, uh, your role and your job with the state government? So uh, with the state government, so the Indiana Criminal Justice, Justice Institute, uh, a lot of it deals with, um, they have a few different divisions, but my division is the Behavioral Health Division. So really what the Behavioral Health Division is, is in Indiana, we have a statutory, statutorily mandated uh, coalitions in every county across the state. So 92 counties in Indiana, they have 92 different coalitions uh, that are all devoted and dedicated to combat uh, substance use in their communities. So my role here is overseeing what these counties are doing, help build and strengthen their coalitions uh, within, making sure they have the key stakeholders within the community, make sure that they are allocating their dollars and granting their dollars to programs that are worthy, um, evidence-guided to help mitigate substance use within their community. So I do that as well as develop some 
uh, developed some processes, uh, some a few different processes that we've been working with here. Um, just kind of, I guess, macro level uh, engagement um, from not only with local level, but at the state level as well. So 10 years ago, you're an Army Ranger on active duty. And uh, who at that time would have ever thought after 10 years you would be where you are today? I mean, certainly that, that probably wasn't something that you foresaw 10 years ago, right? No, no, not at all. I mean, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, I, I really had no idea. I mean, I'm here I am now, 36 years old. I still really don't have much of an idea of what I want to do, but I'm putting a lot more feelers out there by, you know, exploring all these different options that have made, been made possible using my post 9-11 GI Bill. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I never imagined that I would be here. Um, you know, and, and after going through Run Ranger Run, you know, I think because I was just so high up all the endorphins and everything from, from, from that running, um, you know, I, I, I basically felt that, you know, I had the world on a string and, and quickly after all that had, you know, subsided and kind of, I settled into my own, my own place here in Indianapolis, I, I figured out it was, it was a little bit harder than what I thought it was going to be. So, you know, I took some took some uh took some time and, and took a lot of dedication um and you know here i am and you know i'm just using this as hopefully the next i guess getting to the next thing in life which i mean no more school i can't do any more school i'm 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 school i'm schooled out so but you know just figuring out really what is my passion um and picking up as much as i can along the way so yeah you understated a little bit when you said transition was a little harder than you thought it was going to be because you know, I, even when you were going through all that, you weren't sharing that with people that had surrounded you, right? So the the differences or the, the difficulties that you were going through, even having a place to stay and relationships within your family and trying to figure out what you're going to do to make some money, all of that stuff was incredibly difficult. And, uh, and, and I think once you connected with some local organizations there and you started building some relationships, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that started helping you kind of stabilize and then you had some folks that were challenging you and, and encouraging you and and that really kind of led you down the path where you are now yeah uh which kind of it's funny you know the, the person that i made a big connection with here his name is michael ross um he wasn't in the military uh but through some of the speaking events that i had talking about run ranger run uh i connected with him so he was in uh, the School of Social Work here with IUPUI, and he he was doing his practicum at the VA. Now, although not a veteran, he had a lot of com we had a lot of common commonalities, um, a lot of struggles that we both experienced through, you know, relationship, marital, divorce, you know, things of that nature. Just just that struggle of what it is to be a person and trying to figure out who you are, and we connected through that. You know, I think when I got out, I was, I kind of, I, I don't know, I, I held myself to, you know, I can only engage with veterans because they will only understand who I am. But then meeting Michael and having a lot of conversations, we, I found all those common, those commonalities. And, you know, and I would have never, I would have never been able to figure that out and be able to find that out if I just, you know, didn't throw out my vulnerabilities out there. And, by engaging with conversations with him, you know, he led me into uh, getting a position after I'd been unemployed for, you know, three months struggling to find a job. And then, 
you know, he got me into a position that entered me into healthcare. And then whenever I got into that, being a mental health clinician, um, next thing I know, is like, well, I'm going to go to nursing school. Um, so it was just that one connection that really changed everything. And to this day, actually right now, he's my boss here at the state. So, <laughs> so well, it's, that's, uh, a, that's everything. a huge, that's a huge thing. And one of the things that I really love about among the many things I love about what run Ranger run is, is it's not just veterans, right? It's total, engages a total community. And uh, we have family members of veterans. We have people that honor veterans that they've known, uh, people that just want to try to find a way to give back. And and uh, we have a goal this year. Our objective is to get 5,000 registered participants that are logging miles. Last That's year, awesome. we were a little over 3,000. So, you know, it's it's uh, quite a stretch goal. But the 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 capacity is there. The We're just scratching the surface right now on really being able to get out the message. And one of the huge messages is, You've got to make relationships in the civilian community because guess what? Most of the people are not veterans. So if you limit yourself to only interacting with veterans, that's less than 6% of the population. Now, and that includes all the old World War II veterans. So it uh, you can't limit yourself like that. You can't look down on somebody that chose a different way to lead their life because we're free country. We'll have the draft. You know, it's all our choice as to what we want to do. And uh, I, I think, I want to circle around to a couple of things that you had said about uh, not sure what you want to be when you grow up. You know, that is <laughs> almost a universal message with veterans because when they leave the military, they have this utmost mission and purpose to support and defend the Constitution and potentially lay down their life to go from that to a job, right, That's that doesn't have that kind of a commitment and trust and teams it it makes it extremely difficult for someone to feel like they have started to grow up, right? Because now it becomes more of a looking in the rearview mirror and being regretful of the things that they didn't do or the things that they walked away from. And there's an extreme danger in that because when you go down that path, then you're not growing going forward. You're not exploring. You're not like you are looking for opportunities, creating relationships, finding ways to test the waters and different things that you like. And it, it's extremely important to do that. And thank goodness that there is a, a program like the modern GI Bill that provides the funding initially to move down that path and start trying to figure that out. Yeah, 100%. You know, there's, you know, that's the one thing that I have that I will, when, when someone asked me about what it was like in the military, was it hard to get out? The one thing that I will always talk about whenever we, when we talk about Run Ranger Run and, kind of, you know, how it was such a big part of my life. Uh, I always do mention the, the, the culture shock, right? Um, and that's something that it's, I think it was the number one hurdle. Uh, I mean, yeah, say, you know, impending divorce, you know, my daughter being 565 miles away, me being, you know, going through depression, you know, that was, that was all a big hurdle, but it all revolved around the culture shock of, of, you know, going into the military, you're going in with people and you're experiencing the same emotions that they have because you're experiencing them together in the same environment with the same circumstances. When you get out, nobody's circumstance, nobody's circumstances are the same. You're doing it all alone and it's really tough to figure out who to turn to and it's tough to even just turn to yourself. Um, a lot of doubts that are cast, that you cast upon yourself 
um, and a lot of anger, a lot of frustration. Uh, I remember when I was on my second rotation, I was told by, uh, this is like a DOD civilian um, veteran, and he ended up telling me, because he was talking about, what were you going to do when you get out? Uh, and I said, well, well, you know, this is what I want to do, blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, good luck with that. He's like, yeah, veteran's preference doesn't mean anything. Literally means nothing. Yeah, you may get an interview, but you're not going to be credentialed to get a job. You're going to have to start from square one. You know, and that, I, I kind of laughed at that because I had no idea the difficulty that it was going to be. And by not engaging in, you know, in, in, in my community, not engaging with, with folks that had, you know, around me, like Michael, uh, I would have never got past that hurdle of that culture shock. So, uh, which, you know, discussing that with people who are non-veterans, they don't necessarily get it. But I think that, that everybody can kind of understand that feeling of experiencing something all by yourself and being alone and having nobody to turn to. And I try to, I try to draw a lot of similarities between that feeling and the actual transition portion of, of you know, getting out and figuring out who you are and who you're going to be. So That's brilliant. Okay. So going back now, 10 years ago, what would you t- today, if you could go into a time machine and talk to Corey 10 years ago, 26-year-old Corey, what are a couple of things you might say? <laughs> so first don't try to figure this marriage out because it's already failed and you're going to save yourself a lot of time and a lot of anger and frustration. Just let it be, let it be. Um, something else I would have done is let down that guard, um, uh, let down that, that, I guess that pride of saying, well, I'm a veteran. Therefore this is, you know, you, you need to listen to me. I'm better than you. Um, and going through that mentality that I think that was something that really held me back for about the first two, two really two and a half, three years of after getting out. Um, because once I let that down, I mean, I just, it just opened so many doors. Um, I'd probably also say, Hey, Corey, uh, you don't have to run 565 miles in 28 <laughs> days. You can, you can, you can maybe make it, you know, 40 days and you'll still be okay. Uh, no, uh, still, still have a little bit, of, still have a little bit of uh, knee problems, but it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's something that's a constant reminder every time I uh, extend my uh, leg and I hear a big pop sound, but everything's fine. Uh, got it checked out. So, um, yeah, I, I would say try to actually engage more in the community. Um, uh, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to, you know, just let go of things and realize that we as human beings all experience these same emotions, but they just might be a different story that tells it. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's what I definitely would have said to myself, uh, if I could go back. That, those are great words. So, uh, update us on Ellie. How old is Ellie now and what's she up to? Good Lord. So Ellie's nine years old. Um, <laughs> I know it's, it's crazy. Um, so I know it's, it's, it's tough right now with uh, where I moved in Indianapolis. It's on the opposite side of Indianapolis from where I was living. So uh, it's a little bit more of a drive to go see her and to pick her up and her come over uh, to the house and whatnot. But uh, she's doing great. You know, she's about to be going into I, 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 you know, fifth grade next year. So she's in fourth grade right now. 
just, you know, I mean, she's just growing so fast. Everybody tells me, you know, they used to tell me all the time, well, you need to cherish these times that you have now because, you know, so, you know you're going to turn around and she's going to be, you know, 16 years old and you're going to wonder what happened. Well, I completely understand what everybody said now. Um, she's doing great. Um, you know, she's just a happy go lucky kid. Um, and she's always asking questions about, you know, what life was like when I was in the army and, you know, where, how Georgia was when we lived down there, even though, because she's only like a year old at the time, but she asked those questions and kind of asked what I did when I was in the military. And, and she asked about run ranger run. It's real funny. She tells kids, she's like, well, my dad ran from, you know, down from Georgia all the way to Indiana. And these kids are like, no, he didn't. You're lying. And she's like, yes, he did run ranger run. Look it up. So they'll pull out the tablet and, and they'll go to frontrangerrun.com and she's like, yeah, that's my dad. And she'll point to the picture. So it's kind of fun. Has she watched the, uh, the interview with Robin Maid that you did? Yeah. Every time she cries and then I cry. And then, <laughs> yeah. So it's, she likes to see that. Uh, usually like if it pops up on my feed or, or if uh, she, she sometimes she'll ask to see it and uh, I'll pull it up and yeah, every time. Every time, even whenever I show people now, uh, which is not as much as what I used to, but, you know, I showed my uh, coworker one time and sure enough, I started crying every time. It's a tearjerker. Well, you know, you need to know that uh, there are men and women that are alive today because of you. You don't even know who they are. But what what happened when you started out on your journey, that that was a gift to this organization to allow us to put something in place that would raise money that we could use however we saw fit to use it to help veterans. You know, when you're under a grant system, there's all these reporting requirements and you have to you have to do all of the things that are required by, by the grant. But when you have thousands of people that give a hundred bucks, then you're able to really apply that to the mission as you see the mission best. And that's enabled us to do some things that other organizations are not able to do. And uh, I, I mean, I could give you a bunch of examples. One that I'll tell you about just real quick is a, a, a homeless female veteran, army veteran, that her, her husband just left her, no warning. She had been a stay-at-home mom, didn't have an outside education after the army, had never held, held down a job because she was raising kids. And then one day he just left. And uh, her kids were now grown, and and she came. She left where she was and moved to another part of the country to live with some friends who then went through their own crisis and lost their home. So now she has no job. She has no friends to stay with, and uh, came up on my radar screen when an organization that helps foster dogs were, were taking her two dogs into foster, and they said, "Hey, she's she's about to live in her house in her car." You know, what can you guys do? And uh, and we engage the women that are in the Gallifrey program called WAM Project, which is now Women with a Mission. It's a, a totally female-oriented portion of Gallifrey, like Darby Project is for Rangers. This is just for women. And we got them, her connected with the WAM Project. And through that process, we tried to help with the VA and the going through HUD-VASH vouchers and find her a place to live. And we, we had to help her. We, we actually paid car insurance for her. We gave her some money so she could register her car because she was driving an unlicensed car with no insurance so that she could go to a job yeah. so she could get money so she could start doing those things. And, you know, if she'd have had an accident in that meantime, it would have been financially just devastating. 
and uh, and now she is she's just moved into an apartment. We got another veteran-owned business that owns uh, that does a lot of building teardown, and and they get a lot of things that are donated to them: chairs and nightstands and bed frames. And they were able to donate a whole truckload of stuff for her to get into her place. And this afternoon, there's a, a local business that's adopted her for Christmas, but is going to surprise her and uh, and do some nice things for her. And and none of that, uh, at least our ability to help orchestrate and pull on some things. And, and you know, you know me from uh, before. I, I don't hesitate to kick through a door if I need to to try to find some help for somebody. And uh, I don't know where she would be. She would, I think, be out there really struggling, not having a place to stay if it weren't for our ability to come alongside and help. And that goes right back to what you started now really nine years ago when you started, well, it was what, uh, November 2011, I think, was the first conversation you and I had right around Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, because then you started running January 2nd in uh, 2012. So anyway, there's been there's been a lot of things that have happened since then, and Cal a few has helped a, a tremendous number of veterans. And, and one last thing I'll leave you with, and then you can have the final shot if you want to say anything, uh, but here about a month ago, I went back to Savannah, Georgia, at Hunter Army Airfield, where they are now implementing a policy that, that the Darby Project and Gallifrey helped write with the regiment that's called Ranger for Life. And it was a day and a half of seminars that were provided by Ranger veterans and some nonprofits and some other organizations, educational institutions, and financial folks that came in and, and spoke to nearly a thousand rangers so it wasn't just the hundred guys that are going to get out in the next couple of months it was everybody that was not deployed overseas somewhere and they got uh information on things they needed to know to save and invest money now things they could do for education in the future they got advanced information on va and the most important thing were those veterans that stood up and said let me tell you like you had talked about some of the things that you would tell yourself 10 years ago let me tell you what I would have told myself 10, 20, 30 years ago, because that's where you are now, right? Because those of us Ranger veterans that were addressing them had sat in their seats at some point in the past. Maybe beret color was different. Uniform camouflage pattern was different, but stood in that same formation. And it's incredibly valuable to be able to do that. And again, that, that has been something that we've been working on uh, for the last 10 years, and it would not have come about without the resources that we're able to muster through Run Ranger Run. So uh, I, I always want to make sure that you understand the significance of what you started and how many people that have been helped as a result of that. And going into the future, it's a funnel. We help one now, 10 people's lives in the future are going to be better. So if we've helped two or 3,000, I mean, we're, it, you can't even fully grasp the number of people that have been positively impacted. Yeah. Um, no, Carl, what you do is amazing. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people say they always want, they say they want to help. Right. But when it comes time to show up, who shows up? And that, that is, that is a big problem that we as a society have. Uh, we get caught up on what's the flavor of the week. It's almost the flavor of the day now. And who wants to show, you know, who says they want to help and then who actually shows up? You know, Carl, you're somebody who has always shown up 
I know at any point in time in my life, no matter what is going on, I could give you a call and you would be there. And it's good to have that kind of safety net, especially when you're going through something and nobody else is there that you have an outlet to. And so what you do and what everybody does with Gallant View, Run Ranger Run, is amazing. You know, and you say something that uh, I always, when you, when you talk about, you know, what the impact that Run Ranger Run has had, you know, those stories, they mean something to me because there's that shared experience of being at your lowest point. I don't know who that person is. I don't know how they got to there, how they got there, but I know that feeling. And I think we all know that feeling. So when I hear these stories and I hear about people showing up who say they want to help and they actually do, and they actually lighten the load that someone is carrying just so they can get past that hurdle. It's something amazing. And I appreciate everything that you do and that you have done and you are going to do. Um, it's people like you that should be celebrated more often. Um, so, you know, and you said, you know, something that I had started, you know, I didn't start it. I just had an idea. I had an idea and I, ne it would never happen if you wouldn't have just, if you didn't, you know, if you said no, if, if, if you just said no, this would never happen. You know, Gallant View was in its beginning stages at this point in time. And, you know, you took a risk on me and, uh, you saw the potential just like you see the potential in all these other folks that you're helping. So saying yes, to potential saying yes to someone who is at their worst is really what makes the difference. So it's not me that's that I came up with run ranger run. We came up with run ranger run. And, you know, ever since you know, that first year, you and everybody that's helped with it has taken it to a different level each year, surpassing the previous. So I appreciate everything that you have done. And I appreciate everybody that has been a part of this. So, yeah. Well, Corey, I, yeah, I, I greatly appreciate that. I mean, there are, there are so many volunteers that participate and that put together teams and that share information. Uh, it, it truly is a humbling thing to be part of. And uh, so, hey, well, Merry Christmas. And uh, congratulations <laughs> on getting married. That is awesome. You have an absolutely stunningly gorgeous bride because I, <laughs> I've snooped your Instagram pictures, and uh, yeah, I look forward to to uh, meeting her someday. And and we want to, uh, when when your school schedule allows, so or subsequent work schedule, we want to get you out here to uh, one of the vet expos. Yeah, I know. I just tell I was just talking to her about that just the other day too, just about how nice it will be when school slows down and we'll be able to do these things that you know that are out there and connect with people. And, you know, the Vet Expo thing was, the Vet Expo was one of the things that I mentioned to, to Allison, so. Awesome. Well, so everybody out there that's listening to this, go to runrangerrun.com. We are in registration now. And the actual event kicks off the 1st of February, but we've got all kinds of things that are happening around the country. And we even last year had a sailor that ran laps around a ship in the ocean 
to Log Run Ranger. So it doesn't matter where you are. <laughs> One of these days we'll get an astronaut to do it. But, uh, but for now, you know, we'll take what we can get. So, Corey, again, thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And uh, good luck in school. Hey, well, thanks, thanks for having me on here, Colin. And, uh, yeah, Merry Christmas and uh, to you as well. And I hope that you have a Happy New Year. Thank you, sir. You take care. All right, take, take care. All the way. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.